Welcome to the Inside Out podcast. My name's Sean Barnes. I today I mentioned before about I did a I did a speech in front of a a school in Toronto, and um, I must admit it's one of the the most fulfilling things that I've ever done because um, as we know by now that the your childhood and certain experiences growing up, from the smallest things to someone saying something to you, or even like your your parents uh, adopt their mindset on you. So if your parents are very pessimistic and they tell you, you know, you're going to go to school, you're going to do this degree because this will get you a good job and all of that stuff. Um, I think that shapes us and it shapes the way we think. And when I had the opportunity to, to do it, uh, thanks to my friend Sam, uh, I never for the one second thought, no, I'm not going to do that. The first thing I thought about was, what a fantastic opportunity. And I, and I did. I, I did it a couple months ago, a few months ago, and it was one of the best, uh, as I say, the best things, most fulfilling things I've ever done because I got a chance to share uh, my story in a, in a short amount of time, like it was about a 35, 40 minute speech. And but really to give kids like a, the, a takeaway to, to sort of, to, to use later in their lives, and I, I want to, I want to really go into that presentation, what I had discussed in the presentation, and why, what I learned uh, during the whole process, and also the sort of reaction that I got for doing the speech. I thought it was so humbling to get some sort, some some great responses from the teachers from from the kids after the speech and stuff. It was really, really, really good. And uh, I just wanted to sort of uh, to share that with uh, you guys today. The speech was titled, um, the t- <coughs> excuse me, sorry, the speech was titled, Turn Adversity Into Your Greatest Strengths. And in the reasons of the title was, I, I I firmly believe this. I believe that everybody has certain adversity and certain um, parts of their their either their you know physically or mentally that's that's challenging for them. But like that's where the greatest strength lies. Like you know, uh, I do wrestling, and 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 I and I'm in the business world as well, right? So, and um, I can't portray the way I look. Or sort of portray the way I feel by facial expressions. I have to do it by by body language or by um, the tone of the my voice that I'm using. So I again used you know this speech to sort of uh, illustrate that yeah we're all different but we all can we can all use our adversity to our advantage. In the speech, in a nutshell, I spoke about myself, the the article that I wrote that I uh, discussed previously, uh, what it, what is Nodius syndrome and how it affected me, some surgeries that I had, 
growing up, why mindset is so important, and living with Moldy syndrome today. Um, <clears throat> so the the article was the reason why I did the speech at the school. Uh, the my my friend Sam she shared it around the school, and kids read it. Kids were very very interested in it. The teachers were very interested in it, and they had read the article prior to me coming to the school. And really, the purpose of the speech for me was to to really like sort of piggyback off that article and go into a little bit more detail in in the speech and you know use some visual uh, images to to show these things. Now, uh, one thing I am going to do is I am going to uh, link up the the PowerPoint. Um, I'm not going to edit it, I'm going to use the exact one I used on the day and I'm going to link up the PowerPoint in the, in the notes uh, for, for this podcast so that you can actually look at the PowerPoint uh, that, that I used so you can th- either follow along or, or read it after this. Um, so what is Moldy's Syndrome? Moldy's Syndrome, uh, it, it does slightly vary from, the, the, from one person to another. Um, however, uh, the sort of prominent things that you would see um, is the lack of facial movement and the your eyes, there's no sort of lateral uh, side movement. Uh, and sometimes people exhibit cross eyes with Moldy's syndrome when they're, when they're born, but that can be, can be changed, uh, sorry, can be corrected by, uh, by surgery. And a club suit is a very, very um, common part of Moldy's syndrome as well. Moldy's syndrome is was even more rare when I was born in 1990, um, but it, it's still rare even to this day. About one in every 250,000 births, and of course, when you're when you're born with it, and um, maybe it's not known exactly what it is right away, but the, within a few weeks they, they recognise it. And from day one, and, and when I say, you know, the incited adversity in my whole life, uh, I don't say that sort of like a sympathy or anything like that, but that's why I have the attitude that I have today, in the sense that I believe I can do anything and that everything's achievable. And I, I, the doctors legit told, told my mum and, and my dad that uh, he won't be able to be athletic or participate in any physical activity um, below average intelligence. He won't be able to be social because kids won't be able to sort of understand or see his reactions. And surgery won't fix this. Okay. That's, that's, uh, I can imagine how heartbreaking that is for a parent to, to hear that because that's their child. I, I had a lot of surgeries uh, growing up and um, the, the post that took place at a hospital called St. John's, which is in, in Scotland. And there's a, the, the hospital where I had the, the surgery for my snail was at Mount Vernon Hospital, uh, which is in London, in England. The, the surgeries ranged between 
about three months old, and then I went all the way up to like about 14, 15, something like that. Uh, Nearly a bit younger. But face, eyes, and foot is uh, where I've had my surgeries. And also at a stage I had to take part in uh, speech therapy because, of course, without the, the muscles in your cheeks and the and the lip movement, it's sometimes hard to pronounce certain words. I can remember with the, the speech therapy, I can actually remember going, but man, I didn't like it. I, I, I hated it. And uh, I think I stopped going after a while. I can't remember it's because I just didn't want to go or uh, it was done. But uh, either way, I think I've done okay um, after that. There, there was a, an image that I used in the in the presentation of me, and it's just a, an image of me when I was about six. Uh, it's just the thought of my first surgery. This, to be honest, um, the the surgery was all my choice. Like this was up to me, and um, I didn't have to do it. Nobody forced me to do it. But my family and my my family um, were supporters to me either way, whether I got the surgery or not. It was completely my choice, and and I chose to do it, of course. But. I also, <laughs> there's a funny thing, um, and, I, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before, but the, the one thing I wanted to do was blow bubbles with gum. Stupid and all. But I didn't have the facial muscles to do it, and I, and I, couldn't, I couldn't do it when I was younger. <clears throat> but the surgery would allow me to do this, which is sort of crazy, and you know, it's weird when you're a kid, or what? What sort of motivates you? But that that definitely motivated me, and that was the motivation behind the surgery. Um, so the purpose of the surgery was really, of course, to make me smile. And the muscles under in my face uh, and my cheeks were underdeveloped, and as a result, they take a muscle from under the arm tip. Uh, I think they do it differently now, or this is a variation of it now. Uh, but they placed the they placed the muscle. So under the armpit in the cheek, and each side side of the face was done separately within a year of distance from each other. So it's like um, get the surgery, six months recovery, and then you learn how to use the muscles, and then a year that a year later you go back and you go again. I think each surgery took around ten or to eleven hours to complete, because that. Uh, it's so invasive as you can imagine. So um, I can remember there's there's one there's an image where I'm, I'm sort of going for the first surgery, and I can just remember I was so freaking scared, man. Like um, I mean, I don't even know now as I could have comprehended the how major this is to get this and. I could like like I could only get the courage from from my parents because they were saying you know you you're brave you're gonna get through this um, it's it's only temporary and you'll fight through it and but I just didn't realise at the time the sheer 
size of what was getting done. And the, after the surgery, I had this massive bandage over my face. It covered like one half of my face, basically, covered one eye. Um, the, I was still sleeping for a long time after the surgery. And I can remember when I had, had woke up and I just looked and I was confused at first. But I could only see out of one eye because of the way the bandage was put around. And I could feel the pain. And the pain was, it was like, it's hard, it's hard to describe because I don't think I've ever felt any pain like it. That it was just so painful. I couldn't, couldn't lose my, my mouth or anything. It was the really a... A pain I was never felt, and I'll probably never feel again after that. And I can remember um, getting home after the surgery, and it's a long drive, but um, I so I get home, and I, I think I can remember my brother. He started started crying when he had saw me, and. Because, like, I mean, of course, a big, big bandage around your head and stuff would be very, very scary to hear, especially if it's your brother or someone that you love, um, like, who, who's, like, looks like they're in pain and they're suffering. But um, I can remember um, one other thing. So when the bandage, of course, came off eventually, the... I had there were stitches and I can't remember the exact number but there was a lot of stitches down like under my jawline like kind of on my neck on some sort of like the under the ear all the way down to like the sort of under my chin basically on each side and lucky for me the scars are barely even noticeable like unless I show you you'll probably never even notice that they're actually there but I remember, like, because, I mean, of course, now you've got those dissolvable stitches and, you know, they put them on and they fall out or they dissolve. And but this, I can remember having to go to the doctors after a certain time after I got back and they used to have to clip them out. And I honestly hated the feeling. It was like someone tugging on your neck and then there was a big clip, like, almost like when you cut like a, a metal wire with uh, with the clippers and it was clicking, it was your whole face was like, it was quite sore, I remember the pain, I was like, oh man, I've got to get this done, but it takes takes a long time because there's, you know, a, I mean, at least 10 stitches or so on each side. But of course there's the, the recovery and the recovery uh, comes, you know, by sort of getting the stitches out and and eventually the, the bruising, the swelling on my face was crazy. It was like the double the size, man. It was ridiculous. I can just remember, like, the feeling of it. And, again, like, you could have... You, I remember getting taught by my dad and my brother how to, to smile. Even though it was only on one side, I just remember practising just using the muscle, not using the muscle, using the muscle so that it would allow me to sort of 
get to the the point where it's like a subconscious thing, you know. And I I when I feel it like no, no, I don't think about it. Of course, I'm but I'm 28, right? Like this is a long time ago. But I remember when I had both the sides done. I was like happy that I had to think to use the muscles. Now it's second nature, but. Um, I remember that you had to learn to use them from scratch. Like when they're put in, because these ones now, these ones are not under the L. This these muscles work, but like any muscle, you have to learn how the, how you're gonna use them. And I had to do that. Another big another big one for me is uh, a club suit. And if you don't know what that is, the basically your your foot. Is turned in. So think about if you're standing straight and you go where your ankle is or around that area and turn your foot 90 degrees. It's like that. And it's, it happens because the muscle around the foot and leg are shorter than normal and it's constantly tighten up so the way the it develops as it's you know, on the side. And I've had surgeries on my leg and ankle between like three months and five years old. Um, the first the the first thing didn't correct it fully, but they, it did eventually correct itself. But of course like anything like that sort of thing, the movement is nowhere near like the other one. Like there's very little range of motion on on my right foot or right ankle rather than there is on the left ankle and so and and the reason is just because you know the muscles are still shorter than normal you just basically stretch them out to to get it to to get it to go straight so you know no matter how much I've worked in the gym to try and get it the same size it is it's never happened and I've it's bigger but it's not like it's never going to be the same as the other one so and I always think about it when, like wrestling, for example, like I'm wearing the the tights or or the kick pads or something, and obviously these things are skin tight. One fits perfectly, but the other one doesn't because the other one is like uh, loose at the back, and it looks like it looks very different. And that's one thing that I mentioned about, like you know, being going and wrestling, and your body is like. You're you're not got any top on, and that that makes me personally feel uh, very self-conscious. But anyway, aside from that, um, the 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 leg, the lower leg, is there it's very, very much a thing for me that and uh, which does affect me in terms of confidence. And again, I had a, a when I had the surgery, I had a cast on each time, and. Again, the, the the noticeable distance is still there today. Um, I've actually spoke to, told people about it, and they're like, oh yeah, but I never notice now that, until you say it. So it's obviously a lot in my mind in the terms of like, I think it, like, because I know it's there, I think that everybody knows it's there, and that's, it's not really necessarily the case. So, um, uh, you know, it's something to bear in mind that that's something, an insecurity that I have. So growing up, growing up, um, there, this is this is the, this is the thing I think about a lot. Um, 
What if you couldn't use facial expressions to show how you're feeling? How would you actually do it? So what if you couldn't use facial expressions to show how you're feeling? How would you do it? And I mentioned it earlier, uh, one thing, two things I've had to really tap into is body language and the tone of voice, because these two are uh, huge in, in sort of portraying the way I feel and giving people the vibe that, you know, I am like listening to them and I'm happy to talk to them and I'm, I'm engaged in what they're saying. And as you know, I had to really think about that and adapt that uh, a lot. I I remember there was like you know sometimes you go through the the old family photos and I remember looking at some some photos where um, you know when I was a kid and you could see before I had the the surgeries and stuff how um, how how it looks very different on that on that face. Uh, one thing that I was fortunate enough to do or or have was when I was getting those surgeries, um, of course, like I was saying, Middle Syndrome less known, um, less known then than it is now. Um, although I've never met a new doctor, a doctor, sorry, uh, anywhere I've been that knows what it is because they'll always ask you something like, uh, you know, like, what have you done? if you've done any surgeries and I'll tell them about it and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've never heard of that. Uh, how do you style it? And I tell them the styling and they look it up and they're like, oh, that's interesting, I need to, to read up on it. So it's it's something that um, that's something that's still not well known today. Anyways, at the time, what I was saying was that when I was younger and I was getting these surgeries and I was going through the recovery and then, you know, sort of living my everyday life. Uh, a French magazine, uh, or sorry, people from a French magazine had come over to Scotland and they actually were kind of coming around with me, taking photographs and of me playing uh, football and with friends, with my brothers, uh, learning how to smile, all that kind of stuff and they were there. Um, they were there actually all the way through uh, to sort of uh, sort of write a journal on the sort of series of events. Um, I still have a copy of that magazine to this day. When I was also growing up, other than the sort of magazine and the and the um, the, the surgeries and stuff. Um, the only the only two things or the two things that I would say I've loved my entire life, football or soccer, and wrestling. I've loved them my entire life. Like it's something that I've just always gravitated towards. That you know that the athleticism and the showmanship and the uh, the competitiveness of these sports, and it's something that I've always always loved. And anybody that knows me will tell you like you know wrestling or soccer it's Sean um, and it's something I've always loved and I always you know loved to play video games as a kid and um, God I wanted to dance and sing at family events when I was younger because I thought I was badass and could do it uh, in reality maybe I wasn't so good when I uh, maybe like now I think God that was bad but you know what takes balls to do something like that so uh yeah um we'll see like i don't know if it was good or not but i love i used to love doing it i love performing and 
but this is a as a kid, right? When as a kid, you're not being sort of um, you still you've not experienced a whole lot that would sort of change your mindset into you've got no insecurities because you've never been through anything to be like oh like maybe not your mind's restricting you a certain way and again this is exactly why I went to the school because I know that I felt like that I didn't give a shit I did all the I'd, I'd rap the sing I danced whether it was good or bad I just didn't really care what anyone thought and I just done it and that was the that was it, right? I just did it. And, um, but then, you know, of course, you, uh, you guys have heard all the stuff about when I was at school and being bullied and experiencing certain things and surgeries and all of that. Uh, it does take its toll on you mentally. And uh, all of a sudden, performing was not always the easiest thing in the world anymore. And it still isn't to this day because I've performed, I've done speeches, I've done... Um, wrestling and, and stuff and it's not easy I know where it comes from but it doesn't make it easy and uh, and uh, one thing I did tell the kids um, because I know that this happens all the time I said to them I said I was always the last guy to detect to hang out after school I was always the last time guy to detect playing sports um, it was most of the time, it was pretty much most or all of the time that happened. And um, when I was bullied, Tito teased me about my face all the time. They were those times I didn't go to school uh, because I just couldn't do it. Um, the When I played sports, I always remember, because I'm like, always been competitive, I remember when I was um, last to detect, like the first thing that I thought of was like, you know, I'll show you last tech, you know, I'm going to be, I'm a really good football player. I was like, so I'll show you why you would not want to tech me last next time you won me on one of your first ticks. And that's just the way I've always thought. But, you know, when you experience the bullying and the being, not being ticked to hang out after school, and you sort of put that on yourself a lot and be like, well, why am I like this? And, you know, why... Why, why am I so different? And because I'm different, I feel left out. I feel like alienated from some from the other kids and stuff. And you know that couldn't be further from the truth. But that's what you feel and that's what you think at the time. And you really beat yourself up about it. And I, and believe me, I did it. Um, but of course when you experience those things just like most things in life you'll always learn a lesson you'll always learn some stuff and the the whole title of the speech is turn adversity into your greatest strength and i have small day syndrome i have a club through it i have uh visual uh i guess differences but do you know what that makes me neat and this the first type the first the first line in the article says uh, that Nodius syndrome makes knee, 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 and I would never change it for the world. And that's, that's exactly one of the things that I, it took me a long, long time to know it, but to be myself and not change for anyone, and everyone is different, but, but that is cool. Like, it's cool why everybody's different, because that's what makes it interesting. And I, 
didn't do this in school myself, but uh, again, I learned a lesson. I said, if you have any issues or uh, um, in school with bullying or, or anything like that, you should always talk to your teacher. Always talk to your teacher or someone that you can trust in school um, about this stuff. And that every single person is equal. Everybody's equal. And we all have feelings and we should all be happy. We all have feelings of, you know, being, you know, the sort of feelings that I just portrayed to you, but the, we all have those feelings and, you know, what you say and what you can do can really affect someone. And everything that you say and do, you should always be empathetic to the person that you're saying it to because that could really hurt somebody. And treat everybody the same regardless of whether they're, regardless if they're different from, from me or anybody else. Everybody's the same. There's not one person different. It doesn't matter about your background, how much money you have, um, whatever, it doesn't matter. Everybody's a human being and we all have feelings, we all have emotions, we all have, we all have the same stuff. We all have the same, we don't have the same adversities and the same issues and the same uh, sort of uh, cultural environments, but we're still all human. And that's why everybody should be treated the same. And these are the messages that I was portraying to the kids. But living with no day syndrome today, right now, is very visible. But nobody really actually knows what it is. They can see it. They, they think it's some sort of Dell's palsy or something like that. But it's very visible. And I know, like I said before, when I meet new people, they always take a second to get what I'm saying and get on board with, you know, maybe this guy's mouth doesn't move as much when he talks. But I can understand them. But I, I, you know, I can understand why they would sort of be thrown off a little bit in the beginning. And again, the number one facial, uh, facial expressions is the number one sort of subconscious way of communicating, but I don't have that. One of the, the biggest things, or the biggest goals of mine in the speech was, I go to the school, say my thing, Tell them the struggles. I tell them the. I tell them the struggles. I tell them what I've been through. I try and give them lessons that I've learned. But no matter what all of that is, the way you think in your own head, and kids might not understand it about that age, but they will at some point. And some of them did. Like I know that because I felt it, and I, they told me, and I've got loads of. Uh, letters from the school, which I'll go into in a second. But I, I wanted to give them clear takeaways. What can you do? What can you think about in bullet points on right now that you should take away from this talk? And I made a, the, the last slide on the deck um, is mindset is everything. And I'm just going to rhyme them off. We are a product of our experiences. Our childhood teaches way more than you think. Find 
what makes you happy and do more of that. You can do anything. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Always give and help others. And your own opinion of you is more important than anyone else's. And I believe if you take those points, you can really do something from this talk. And that's what I thought about to the students and to the kids. And that was the end of the talk, that, that slide. And it was a really clear takeaway. Uh, and I was so humbled by the sort of responses after, you know, I got a, a great round of applause. Everybody, there was a few questions throughout the, the speech as well, like, you know, um, asking me about, like, how old I was in a photo or, or whatever. But the kids were really engaged and were so well behaved and they were so attentive to everything that I was, that I was saying. And... I, a few weeks after the talk, actually, I got a bunch of letters from the kids at the school. And, because, you know, some of them didn't want to ask questions when they were there. And, of course, naturally, it's easier to write something to me than, than you know, maybe say it on the, uh, ask it in front of everybody. And I was reading some of the responses uh, some of the letters, sorry, and the the letters were so overwhelming, like, you know, thank you so much for coming to speak to us about it, I find out that your mindset's so, so important, and that I now I know what Moldy's syndrome is, and that um, they they are going to, they really thought about, a, a lot about the mindset stuff, which is really, really humbling to sort of, to sort of read that because I know that that I got through to them um, and that is what the purpose of the talk was was to you know even if it's like one tiny tiny little mental shift I'll take it because I don't I don't think I'm going to change the whole thing in one time but you know it makes the kids think and another goal of mine with the speech was if someone in that room is being bullied they should do something about it. And if anyone's doing the bullying, based on my story and the, the things that I said, I hope that they reconsidered and didn't do it anymore. And that's just really what I wanted to get out of it. And I think I got, and I got through it them because you know, I know after it, my friend was saying uh, that they they talked about it. They they said it was great. Uh, they said that it was very useful. And the one of the teachers even after it said, "Hey, can I take this mindset uh, slide at the end uh, with the points that I just read out? Um, and I want to put it on my classroom." And that made me feel amazing because I was like, "Wow, you want my slide? Like I just." I just wrote that myself, like, and I'm so like so humble that you would want to put that on your classroom because you think it's really useful. Um, but it, it was one of the most easily, the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Um, and as I got through it with one person, and I got through it with more than one person, 
then I did my job and I did what I was there to do and that that trumps any money any amount of money to be paid to do something like that I don't give a, I don't care about the money I care about the message and what I'm trying to do and uh, that trumps any any other feeling or any monetary value of of anything and um, that speech was incredible and I just I just would love to to be able to do more of that because I believe it's such a great message that uh, the reason why this podcast is even a thing because I don't think this thing is discussed enough and it can never be discussed enough and um, there's only one way to get sort of uh, our mental shape, mental health or mental uh, happiness or, or this sort of thing better is by talking about it and that's the end of the podcast, it was the end of the speech uh, and it really was such a a powerful thing and I hope to do more in the future and I hope that the this helped anybody listening you know things that I've mentioned there you know could have helped in any way um, I would really love to, to hear about it but uh, that's it for this week's episode um, and I'll be back next week with more and um, there's some interviews uh, coming up with other people who have been through uh, adversities in their lives and uh, troubled, troubled times and how they learned and how they got through it because um, I believe I set the example by, by doing this first um, as a sort of gateway for other people to do the same and that is the aim of this podcast. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Take care and thanks very much. Have a good day.